This is The Hindu on Books, a weekly podcast from India's national newspaper on the latest and the best from the world of literature. Hello and welcome to The Hindu's podcast on books. I am Shoma Basu, your host today. and i will be talking to author kavita rao whose latest book titled lady doctors is an absolutely fascinating read on the untold stories of india's first women in medicine the book published by westland looks at the extraordinary life of women who stormed the male bastion and embraced medicine between 1860 and 1930 they fought every battle of gender caste and domesticity broke rules defied social conventions faced ostracism and experienced misogyny the oddities they faced and the challenges they overcame as daughters wives mothers and widows tug at your heart but anandi bai joshi kadambini ganguly rukma bai raut hemabati sen muttu lakshmi reddy and mary punen lucos they have all remained omitted from the pages of our history and it is because history was written by men who in those times claimed that women made no contribution to science says kavita but actually they were not allowed to as the author found during her years of research she dug out all possible relevant information and put them together that shows it is possible to achieve what you want if you have the will and determination In this episode of the Hindu podcast on books, Kavita Rao joins us from London to speak about what made her write this book, the absence of information, how these unsung heroines can inspire generations and much more. A warm welcome to you Kavita. Uh, thank you so much Shoma. Thank you for having me. I must congratulate you for writing such an interesting book and kind of you know throwing open the world of the past which is also perhaps in some ways similar to today's world as far as women and their progress is concerned and I also read in your intro you have rightly pointed out that if Rani Lakshmi Bai of Jhansi and Sarojini Naidu are names we hear in our homes then why not our lady doctors who were far and few with commendable achievements in the late 19th and the early 20th century so kavita please tell us how did you get the idea for the book it is undoubtedly unique but i think it is much much more challenging as we as a country are not really known for documentation uh yes i agree uh it all began in 2017 uh i went on to google doodle and there was a doodle of rukma bai raut and google doodle has been carrying these doodles of several of the first women doctors in fact just yesterday they had a doodle of kadambini ganguly uh and i i you know i wondered why i had not heard too much about rukma bai raut i had heard a few things but i didn't know enough about her just a few lines and i started doing a bit of research and i was also uh, motivated by a book i was reading at the time called inferior by angela saini who is a british indian author and she wrote about how women have just been erased from science you hear about the odd woman in science like marie curie and perhaps you know rosalind franklin 
but you know many of the others have just been forgotten and you know somehow the idea has come about that women were not in science in the you know 19th century but they actually were it's just that you know most of their achievements have been forgotten and erased and there's no documentation about them at all because they didn't write many memoirs or letters so really i was hoping that my book you know help more women help more people rather know about women doctors so why why did you choose to profile these particular six women what like what is the history behind that right so uh, i started with anandibai joshi because she was obviously the first indian woman to get a qualification in western medicine so she had to be there uh then kadamini ganguly was the first indian woman to actually practice because anandibai died very early before she could practice uh rukmabai raut as i said you know i was motivated by the google doodle and she certainly has the most fascinating story and had the most challenges to overcome uh hemabati sen i chose because she wrote a fascinating memoir and there was so much information in there about what the working life of early women doctors was like uh and the last two mutulakshmi reddy and mary puno lukos i chose simply because they were institution builders you know mutulakshmi began the adyar cancer hospital in chennai and mary set up the health system of kerala in you know its early years and there were many women i had to leave out and in i you know most notably i had to leave out ann jagannathan uh i had to leave out jerusha jirad and there was this uh, woman called motibai kapadia who was around the time of rukma bai raut but unfortunately i couldn't find any material on them and therefore you know i had to confine myself to the ones that i could find the most material on actually i was about to come to that like how much of traveling did you have to do or meet the respective family members or friends and how many years of research went into this because i think it is also a little difficult to establish the timeline you know like because you yourself said you had to leave out a few so i like could you tell, tell us a little bit about that process like how you went through it uh it took me about 3 years i think to research this book uh unfortunately the it was greatly affected by the pandemic because about halfway through the research the pandemic hit and you know i had made plans to meet certain people and obviously because of the pandemic i could travel nowhere and they weren't you know keen on meeting me that said uh it's mostly an archival book because i could find very few surviving relatives who actually remembered anything about their great great grandmothers they you mostly didn't remember anything so i decided that i was going to rely mostly on the letters of the lady doctors the memoirs of the lady doctors i mean not all of them wrote memoirs one or two did and you know uh, biographies written about them by other people even this was very difficult because many of these were not available in indian libraries or they were available in libraries which were not accessible to me because of the pandemic so i did a lot through the internet i appealed to my friends in other countries who went to libraries you know across the world like in canada and you know the uk and various other places and managed to get me copies of these books uh i was also able, uh, able to visit the calcutta national library where i found a lot of material uh so it it was you know it was just a process of doing the best i could with what i had yeah 
and what about the photographs and all like you know many times it also the visuals really attract and you've put one doctor on the cover and we really do not know who she is the lady in the yellow saree right it's it's on the back cover of the book actually she is anandibai joshi and the the photograph on the cover is a, a photo of anandibai joshi the first indian woman doctor at her graduation ceremony uh, and this was at what was then called the women's college of uh, pennsylvania okay uh, women's medical college and now it's called drexel university it's in philadelphia pennsylvania so this is a photograph of her there unfortunately i did have some other photographs but they could not be included in the book because they were of very varying quality and you know some were good and some were really bad and it would have made the whole thing look a bit uneven so you know a decision was taken by westland to not have photographs in the book and the best photo and the one which was of the highest quality is the one that you see of anandibai on the front cover Oh, I see. Okay, so uh, through their stories, you know, like one thing, what is very evident is this genderization of the medical profession. You know, like you have mentioned about how you know medals were denied to them, even though uh, some of the women were class toppers, and also there is reference to caste-based discrimination. So, you know, the, as a person who has researched and written the book, it would be interesting to hear from you some small uh, nuggets of information about them that perhaps attract. to do to these particular women right so i have a chapter in the book which is called the originals which was about you know the early women uh, doctors from the uk and the us i just put that in to give people some context because even they struggled and the things that women had to do in the early days to get access to medical education you know it bothered borders on the comical because there was one woman called james barry she had to pretend to be a man she pretended to be a man for years uh okay she pretended to be a man for years and gained access to uh you know the university of edinburgh uh, which is you know quite a famous university in the uk and she did that by pretending to be a woman for some you know almost 40 years and it was only on her deathbed that it was discovered that she was a woman when when her body was examined so these are the i mean and and the next early woman doctor elizabeth blackwell who some consider as you know the first woman doctor in the world in western medicine she studied in the us and she had to apply to 29 colleges i think the 30th college perhaps in geneva college in massachusetts admitted her as a joke and when she actually turned up they were amazed because they thought it was just a joke because they were like oh i mean you know this woman is trying to play a prank on us and when she got there you know during the anatomy classes she would blush because obviously everybody else was a, a man and during in those days you know women were not exposed to this kind of talk so when they were talking about reproductive functions she would blush so you know she decided to fast for weeks to reduce the supply of blood to her body so that she would not blush and so you know there are completely ridiculous stories and the same stories i mean it's uh, have carried on in india because uh, you know uh, you know the same sort of um, mindset persisted one of the doctors hemabati sen in my book she was a doctor in rural west bengal she actually won a gold medal in her class 
and when she did that the boys were so angry and they protested a lot and they actually threatened to kill her they said we can't allow a woman to win a gold medal and they protested yeah and they went on strike and they threw things and you know and she was afraid for her life so eventually the you know the dean of her college called her and said do you really need this gold medal and she said no actually she was very poor and she had to maintain a family on her salary she said just give me some money in lieu in lieu of this medal so she was given some money and the gold medal was given to a man and you know she went away quite happy with the silver medal and an extra scholarship so you know this is this is these are the things that women doctors had to kind of endure many a time when they won medals and when they you know stood on you know at the head of the class they were not given those medals and you know it was given to men and you know because men had to be placated and things like that so uh, and uh, you know as hemavati writes she was paid much less than the men even though she did the same work and she writes of herself she says lady doctors are just a pawn in the hand of male doctors and you know all the medical colleges would not admit them they had to really kind of lobby to be admitted into medical colleges across india so uh, this was you know usual at the time then even i read about kadambini ganguly where you mentioned how even though she raised her family of i think eight children but how she was defamed as a whore so kadambini ganguly was a mother of eight and quite a respectable woman you know because and we know very little about her because as a mother of eight she probably didn't have time to write many letters or memoirs but what we do know is that she was called a whore by you know some of the local papers okay and you know it who actually said things like if you encourage women you know they are going to be uh, unchaste and uh, you know uh, then her husband filed a defamation case against the, the paper and he won it and the, you know it was withdrawn and they later changed the tune and called kadambini a distinguished member of the medical profession the actual court that the indian messenger the bangabashi called her a whore and the indian messenger published an article saying the maintenance of female virtue is incompatible with their liberty so basically saying that if you allow women to study and be educated they will be unchaste so you know these were the sort of kind of you know malicious attacks that women doctors had to suffer and then even um, anandibai joshi's that powerful speech you talk about in the town hall which was a room full of men so anandibai joshi who was the first to you know actually leave and go overseas to study all the way to philadelphia had to you know give a speech and beg uh, uh and you know a collection of men to be allowed to go overseas and she was very uh, pragmatic anandibai she framed it as you know indian women hindu women do not have any medical help so i plan to you know study come back and help them and she framed it in such a way that she was given permission by the collective to, you know by the sorry by the community to go Mm-hmm. and even rukma bai uh, raut also was i think forced into child marriage and then she divorced her husband yes rukma bai raut actually had by far the most difficult challenges and journey of any of the women doctors uh because she came from a lower caste she was from the carpenter caste sutar caste and she faced a lot of criticism and a lot of very 
you know savage attacks by you know uh, upper caste more privileged people and the conservatives of pune society at the time including bal gangadhar tilak so rukmabai was basically married off as a child and she escaped this child marriage she went to the courts to divorce her husband she wrote letters to the times of india you know uh, under a pseudonym you know denouncing the hindu religion and its treatment of widows and its denial of education to girls uh she eventually managed to get free of her husband and she was widely condemned by hindu society and the conservatives and called all sorts of names in the press but she eventually escaped she went to the uk she studied at the london school of medicine uh she got her qualification she returned eventually to india where she spent about 35 years practicing in surat and rajkot and she led a very you know satisfying life i imagine because she was able to remain single and independent to the end of her days so she is actually i think the most fascinating character and the one who had to overcome the most it's really amazing like you know how much all these women had to really take on and i also uh, i was also reading that uh, how anandi bai and rukma bai you know they have perhaps biographies written on them and also films made on them um, uh, but maybe the other two uh, women doctors who belong to the south they are not much uh, talked about or heard about could you elaborate a little bit Uh, i think the first you know three of three lady doctors had very dramatic lives you know anandibai joshi kadambini ganguli and rukma bai raut and then hemabati sen is also a little forgotten about because you know she wrote an unsung memoir which was not discovered until years later and then muttulakshmi reddy and mary lucos uh, punan sorry mary punon lucos the two doctors from the south uh, there's a little known about them perhaps in the south but i believe not really enough uh, muttulakshmi reddy was an amazing woman her mother was a devdasi which she did not talk much about her father was an upper caste and fairly you know liberal man and she had a lot of support from her father to study her mother and her aunts wanted her to be married off early like you know like most you know mothers and aunts in those days because they feared for her future but she managed to defy them and study at the madras medical college and she also managed to go, go overseas and get you know to the uk and get further education and muttulakshmi uh, was distinguished in medicine but quite early on she decided to enter public life and she was very much influenced by gandhi ji you know gandhi ji's call to women to enter the nationalist movement she decided to enter public life she became a legislator and she started the adyar cancer hospital also which in those days was an amazing deed because in those days um, you know cancer was thought of as a disease from which you know once you get cancer you're bound to die nothing can be done for you and it's a complete waste of time you know spending any money but she was influenced by the medical system in the uk she started the adyar cancer hospital which till today is a pioneering institution in chennai she was also involved in anti uh, in uh, the abolition of the devadasi system she believed quite strongly that the devadasi system was a terrible thing and you know uh, you know was basically enslaved women and of course that's a very complicated subject which i deal with in my book it's not a black or white issue there have been criticisms of her stance on that but nevertheless she was a pioneering woman she took part in many you know she was instrumental in many legislations to raise the ages of marriage and to help women in many ways so 
she was in fact an amazing woman and then mary opponent locos was another also pioneer because she uh, was um, you know she was a syrian christian and in that way she was extremely lucky because in those days syrian christians got very good education through the missionary network in kerala and she also traveled to the uk and then returned to kerala and became the first surgeon general in india she was appointed by the travancore rani who was setu lakshmi bai who and they had a matriarchal system in kerala at the time so obviously there were many women the rani was trying to bring many women into public life the amazing thing of of mary punan lokos which like still sort of amazes me is that at this time which was like over 100 years ago she was completely in favor of vaccination she was completely in favor of modern medicine and uh, yeah there was a you know she there's a chapter in the book where i talk about her experience in travancore legislative assembly at the time there was a smallpox epidemic in travancore and mary mary was all in favor of compulsory vaccination and there was a lot of op- opposition from legislators and obviously all the other legislators were male she was the only woman there and uh, they all were completely against having compulsory vaccination and in fact many said why do we even need vaccination it's not necessary it is you know there were a lot of anti vax sentiment at the time and mary fought for compulsory vaccination and won because she said that i mean this is all relevant to our times today uh, the times of covid she said that smallpox is an airborne disease and therefore we cannot isolate them easily in a crowded country like india therefore we have to have compulsory vaccination and she said the words that you know the public has to bear with some inconvenience for the greater good and this is a principle of course of vaccination which is why we are all you know trying to take the covid vaccines now and mary also fought against you know homeopathic uh, practitioners she was very much in favor of modern medicine and she got a lot of uh, you know opposition from homeopathic doctors who because at the time homeopathy was considered you know a wonderful thing and homeopaths were considered uh, the true kind of medical practitioners whereas you know people who practiced modern medicine like mary they were considered as you know people who are just trying to make money or you know charlatans it's it's quite strange but uh, you know may there was a you know lot of there was actually a legislator who say, said we have too many doctors in travancore state you know we are just they are just spoiling things for everybody and we need to have more homeopathy and we need to you know have homeopathic methods like fasting and things like that and mary sort of fought against this and said you know most homeopathic doctors have no training at all which is true and she fought for modern medicine so she was way ahead of her time in nearly you know every uh, fact you know section of medicine she fought for hygiene she fought to make modern medicine you know primary in the state of kerala yeah so now uh, each of these stories are like real powerful stories of strong women how do you think that we can actually make them our national icons i certainly think we should be reading about them talking about them more and you know i hope my book does something towards this and uh, you know making their their memoirs available in libraries or as books 
for people who want to read them bringing them into our textbooks even if if only a small way maybe even naming roads after them because you know so many uh, there are a lot of roads named after male scientists you know like jagdish chandra bose everybody knows about him cv raman and all those people but these women actually had far more challenges to deal with so i yeah i mean they could be on our stamps they could be in our colleges as maybe talking more about these women having them in our textbooks having them on our stamps naming roads after them maybe you know including them in whatever scientific education we have just as we have included people like you know jagdish chandra bose and cv raman in our uh, you know and homi baba in our textbooks and in our museums i think we also need to be including these women because they certainly had far greater challenges mm-hmm. um see as a woman like when you were researching on them and writing and you kind of read about their struggles and how they came out with flying colors did you yourself undergo any kind of emotional you know connect or upheaval or transformation while working on this book well i mean halfway through this book uh there were a lot of things going on when i was writing this book there was the pandemic and i also moved to the uk last september september 2020 which was sort of you know at the height of the pandemic uh and i have been cut off from my family for a while now i am not allowed to return to india because uh, if you know if i do that on my return to the uk i have to quarantine and pay a huge sum of money and it's all very difficult so in obviously i have been feeling sort of you know a bit sort of lost and you know kind of displaced but then you know when researching this book i realized how much more more lost and you know displaced and you know cut off from their families these women doctors must have felt because this was in the days before you know the internet and before modern communications and things like that so in that way i certainly identified with them you know they had far far greater difficulties than i have ever faced in my life and in some ways they have given me courage in this very uncertain time when you you know you have no idea what is happening to your family and you know i have been looking at every whatsapp expecting someone to fall sick in my family and so far i have been lucky i have i have not really lost anyone to covid yet but yeah touch what it may still happen but these women have given me a lot of courage because they had you know they overcame far far greater difficulties than me and that has made me feel you know a lot more resolute and you know taking one day at a time and just just keep going you know yeah so like uh, you know uh, you've kind of uh, uh, reinstated uh, these accomplished women doctors in public memory so what purpose do you think or would like this book to serve yeah i i'm not sure i have reinstated them in public memory because there has been some things written about them and there have been some marathi films and there have been biographies of them in uh, many regional languages marathi bangla and all that uh, what i really wanted to do was to write a very readable accessible book because some of the things that have been written about them are very academic you know they they grew out of there have been books written about them which grew out of phd theses which is not accessible to a common person and i wanted this book to be a page turner that is i wanted it to be accessible to every person and obviously 
I feel like English, uh, you know, is the language that unites us all. And therefore, I wanted an English language book so that everybody across India uh, from these various regions could read it. A Bengali could read it. A Marathi could read it. A somebody from the South could read it. You know, that was my aim in making this book very accessible to people. And I have a lot of doctors in my family. I mean, so many women doctors in my family, like possibly many South Indians. And I wanted them and perhaps other women doctors to realize that, you know, women didn't just wake up one day and become doctors. It happened over a period of long struggle. It's not like, you know, they just got up one day and said, okay, I want to get into medicine. And and medicine is such a respected profession for women today, especially in the South where, you know, if you have a doctor, a daughter who's a doctor, you get a lot of sort of respect in society. But it wasn't like that for Kadambini Ganguly and the early women doctors who did not get that kind of respect. So I wanted people to know about this journey. Right. Probably now, you know, with so many web series coming on our OTT platforms, maybe somebody would think of making uh, a serial on these doctors as well. Yes, I hope so. I mean, there are two Bengali serials on Kadambini Ganguly, which I mentioned in the book, uh, you know, and uh, which I, I haven't seen them in in great detail, but I did watch a couple of episodes and they do kind of, you know, sort of bring her to life. So what is the best feedback you have received so far, Kavita, on this book? The best feedback that I got is from my niece and she is a medical student in Mangalore. She's about uh, 19. Okay. And obviously this year and the last year has been very difficult for her because she has been doing everything online and she hasn't been able to attend any proper anatomy classes at all. So, uh, but she wrote me a message. She said, I'm reading your book and I just feel so lucky to have been born in this century and not the last one and to have had no opposition to my decision to do medicine. And that is true. I think, um, you know, we are very fortunate that things have improved. And of course, they're not perfect and there is still a very long way to go to bring women into the medical profession. But things have improved a great deal since, you know, since Anandibai first set sail across the ocean. Yeah, exactly. So I think we'll conclude on that nice positive round that women indeed have taken the leap. And as you say, that there are always be many more minds left to be covered. And I wish, yeah, and I wish your beautiful book, uh, I mean, all the best wishes for the success of this book. And I feel, and I do really, I also want that more and more people should read it and know about uh, you know, how how our previous generations fought for us to help us to be where we are today. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you, Kavita, for joining us on the Hindu podcast on books. Thank you for listening to the Hindu on books. You can now find the Hindu's podcasts such as In Focus and Parley on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other major platforms. Write to us with comments and feedback at SOCMED4, S-O-C-M-E-D-4 at the rate thehindu.co.in. 